Everyone has a story. I get them to tell it. Welcome to the Aaron Bender Podcast, conversations with media personalities about their personal and professional lives and journeys. Before we get to my conversation with sports reporter and announcer Beto Duran, a little about my story. I'm a widowed dad of two girls who just lost their mom. A grieving husband, a man in recovery trying to reconnect with the world with fresh eyes, faith, and perspective, a college journalism professor, a white guy in a world of injustice, a 20-year broadcast media veteran who had his dream job but lost it. A year and a half ago, God gave me a gift, an opportunity to stop, step back, and breathe so I could learn about love, vulnerability, forgiveness, grace, self-care, patience, and understanding. My guest is a fixture in Southern California sports. Beto Duran came up through the ranks at ESPN, has called and covered all kinds of games and fights, and can be seen Sunday afternoons alongside the legend, Jim Hill, on CBS2 Sports Central. Beto's nickname, Mr. 1099. It means if you want to be in this business, get used to it. Uh, There are no full-time jobs. They don't exist anymore. Uh, 1099 is when you're an independent contractor, which means really take care of your taxes because if they're paying you a grand, your check is going to be a grand, but there's no taxes taken out. Uh, This is why I tell people major in business instead of journalism, because I am now a small business. Uh, I am Durant sports when I send invoices out. So when I do my taxes, I do uh, business taxes. Uh, It's, you have to negotiate your own rates. It's, um, you don't get paid every two weeks. You don't have health insurance. You ain't got no retirement. You ain't got a damn thing. Um, the job's amazing. <laughs> Everything else is BS, but it's the reality of it. And you know, if you're a small business and you're um, selling a product, it's great. When you're selling yourself, it's not because you're not gaining anything. It's here's my rate for uh, doing a game and for doing a show. And this is what you're gonna get paid. The last year has been difficult enough for full-time <laughs> salaried sports reporters. How'd you handle it? Unemployment. Um, I, I'm very honest with what I say and how I talk to people. So um, uh, last year, 2020 was supposed to be a big year. I had a lot of fights lined up and I had about, a lot of stuff going my way. I was going to be busy every week for, for three months and then it stopped. Um, so, but I've always been one that lives below my means. Um, knowing that in this business, it's a roller coaster up and down. Even when I made a bunch of money, I live like I made no money. I'm still the kid who thinks he's a board op part-time. Um, so, you know, I only had used cars, all that good stuff. I don't go on vacations. I don't spend crazy stuff because you just know that in this business, it's going to go up and down, but that's just also the way I've been taught as a kid to, you know, save every dollar, save that rainy day. So I was good money wise, but then it's like, Oh, Damn. So luckily, California passed it where people in our business were able to collect unemployment. So that helped for a little bit. Uh, and it was cool. But then it's like, like, damn, you're taking unemployment. Does it feel right about it? It was weird. And you're like, well, damn, I'm not working. <laughs> like, right. It's, it's, it's not as if you're turning down work because unemployment yeah. pays more. Yeah. Sometimes like when you fill out the form, it says, did you accept money for this? I'm like, well, I did, I did work, but that invoice is going to show up in about 45 days, maybe. Right. Um, Right. I can't wait that long. So (laughs) it's just interesting, but it was, how'd I deal with it? Money-wise, just, just deal with it. You know, you make it happen. Um, That's what you do. Like, I was even thinking like, okay, should I go be a teacher? Like, you know, what am I going to do? Like, um, I'd love to see, I I would love to see you teach, man. I would love that class. Like I'm more of a lecturer, as you can tell. Um, and, but yeah, as is, is it, it's part of just trying to figure out what the hell's going on in this damn business. And it's, I mean, I'm not long for it. I already, I, I, that's the reality for me. I'm, I know I'm done pretty soon. So I'm trying to figure out what's the next level for me. Why do you think you're done pretty soon? Because there's no jobs. We're seeing more of you now than we have in a couple of years. Um, Got that sports central. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> got that sports central gig. You've got yeah. boxing on the zone. I do a great job of selling myself and making it look like I am working every single day. I'm not. I'm in my garage doing a couple podcasts. 
uh, because there's nothing going on. Um, I, I, you know, fortunately, I'm working at CBS two on Sundays. But what am I doing Monday through Saturday? Like, I get paid for Sunday. What do I get paid for Monday through Saturday? You don't just hang uh, out with Jim Hill all day. I see Jim Hill on Sundays. <laughs> <laughs> tell b- yeah. before we get away from that. Tell me that pinch yourself moment when you were sitting alongside Jim Hill, not just for the first time, but now it's like every weekend that you okay. thought was going to be over when football was over. Yes. Yeah, so, <laughs> I mean, the way it is in LA and he's not even an LA guy, he's, he's famous everywhere. So Jim Hill, obviously a local sportscaster in Southern California, he's been in the market over 40 years. It's crazy. That's, and he that's, that's age. So crazy. He was in Rocky, uh, Rocky three. He's the one who asked uh, Mr. T, Clubber Lang, what's your prediction? Pain. You know, that's the first time I saw him. I was like, whoa, okay. Uh, he's, he's done everything. He has a star on the walk of fame. He has Jim Hill day, the nicest man. And he is at every single event. Um, and he's one of the rare sportscasters that goes to actual games. And he doesn't wear a credential. His face is his credential. He walks in like right, that. Right. And it's when so I was a Clippers good. intern in 2000, 2001, I think, I was a Clippers intern and you would be in the media room and Jim Hill's there. You're like, Whoa, that's Jim Hill. And now 20 years later, I'm sitting next to him on his, on his show. Like people are like, Oh, you're on with you. I was like, no, it's Jim Hill's show. It's so it's CBS two sports central. We recap whatever goes on on Sundays, normally during football season. I did it last year and it was cool. They brought me in for a couple shows and it was cool. Like it to work with Jim. You got to know that it's Jim's show and he's great. He supports you. I wouldn't be there if Jim hadn't approved. Um, and we have a great rapport. And I've known him for years when I became a reporter at ESPN Radio. Hey, Mr. Hill. He was like, hey, I listen to you on the radio. But he makes everybody feel like they're his best friend. And that's the kind of guy he is. And then you sit there and I, I do it every single show. I look over. I'm like, I'll take a picture and I'll send it to friends. They're like, dude, that's Jim Hill. Like, yeah. Um, <laughs> he doesn't have social media. So last year when I was doing the show, I would look on my phone during commercial breaks and I would kind of look and then like tweet a little bit and I put my phone right back down. And I, I started laughing one day and he's like, what's going on? And he's very, when we're, 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 the show's on, Jim is in the zone getting scripts from producers and he, he's drives the train. All I'm doing is just there shooting off with the mouth. I can say whatever I want. And I started laughing and he was like, oh, what Twitter saying? And he's like, oh, you're on that Twitter, huh? Like, yeah, like they really like us right now. He's like, oh, well, what are some of the comments? I started reading some of the comments. He's like, oh, okay. Then the next week, and I was like, don't grab your phone because it doesn't look professional. But right. in this day and age, we're on our phone during the shows. That's how you interact with people. And I was like, oh, my friend said so-and-so that I can't believe I'm sitting next to you. He's like, oh, I'll do it. So he's like recorded a message. Hey, so-and-so, I am next to him. And I sent it to our friend. And I started posting it on Instagram and stuff like that. And he loved it. And then there was a thing where, I put my hand out once for a fist bump before COVID and he left me hanging. That's the picture I put on my social media. <laughs> I, the beauty of editing, I edited where Jim reached over. Like he, he had his head down and then he caught my attention and he reached over. But the editing I put was that he left me hanging because the camera crew we went to, you had to go to the commercial, the show ended. So they cut and my hand is reaching over and Jim is reaching over too. He did give me the fist bump, but just the camera cut, didn't catch it. So I, you know, I, 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 on my Instagram, I only post me looking bad and people are like, Oh, he left you hanging, left you hanging. So it became a running joke. I, and I told him, I was like, Jim, you left me hanging. He was like, no, I didn't. I was like, yeah. I'm like, look, like, all the people are engaging with it. Like, okay. Today, same thing. So we planned the him leaving me hanging part. So, and then I, I became where uh, at the end of the show, I was like, Jim, at this one, I'm going to do it. So I would slow play it like, yeah, good. Kind of. And he would just, uh-huh. And then finally a month in, he's like, okay, are we done with the joke? Like, yeah. I was like, all right, today I'll give you one. So we, I knew he was going to give me that fist bump. And I, overly reacted. I, I, I reacted like somebody at the price is right. Like, Oh yeah. Like when Bob called you down and you won the showcase. Like, and that reaction on Instagram, people, Jim, he'll acknowledge you. Oh my God. Yeah, finally, yeah. finally. 
finally, finally. So it became a running joke and he was in on the joke. So real nice man, uh, real professional. And after the shows, like probably about a half hour later, he'll give me a call. He's always, we get done with the show. He always walks in my car and we'll talk about it, recap. Real nice. And then he'll call me half hour later to tell me what somebody told him about that. Like, he doesn't have to do any of that stuff. And no, more, normally on TV, you get done or radio, you get done with the show. All right, bye, see, gone. And then you'll hear from till the next time. Jim is he's the nicest man. Why is it that you post only pictures where you look bad on your Instagram? I'm making fun of myself. Um, because we are so caught up in the Instagram social media world of filtering everything to be beautiful that that's not who I am. Like I am in my garage in my sweats talking to you right now. But like, oh man, you are a sharp dresser on Sundays <laughs> during the week. I am short. So when I take my kids or go somewhere and people are like, hey, you look like the guy on TV. Yeah, because I don't look like him right now. <laughs> like, not that I'm like just like a bum, but like I'm just dressed down casual. It's like I always say, uh, the, the joke I always had, I was like, I'm a man of the people. I'm just like you guys. It's I just don't happen to have an amazing job and it's amazing. It's fantastic. But people get the perception of you're this. So I started golfing during the pandemic and I started posting my terrible shots because it's funny. Like, that's what it is. It's funny. And I'm actually a pretty decent golfer. But why am I going to post like me looking good when it's like, okay, great. You're showing off. I'm like, this is who I am. This is the real reality of it. And it's like me leaving like a, oh, a super, uh, I'll actually tell my kid who's in high school, those, how all the teenagers are so worried about getting that right pose with the right caption, with the right music lyric. It takes them three days to do it. I'm like, just post you looking like when you go run, like, right. You post that you're looking at your worst. That's who you really are because you can relate to people. And I feel I can relate to people. Where do you think that self-deprecation comes from? Have you always been that way? Or has um, being I mean, Mr. You know, 1099 kind of humbled you, know, it, you to where you're like, no, you know what? You kind of like, like, I mean, in our 20s, we all feel ourselves. We all like floss. We all do that. But the way I grew up and like the, my friends, it's like, don't believe your own hype. Like, Shelly Smith taught me this years ago from ESPN, great reporter, mentor of mine, first mentor, said, don't let the job become your identity. It's easy to do. Don't let it be your identity. Be you. And I've always messed around and always done stupid things. And it's like, if I were to post a shirt, a picture shirtless at the pool with like sunglasses and all that, I'm like, oh God. Like I had the hashtag uh, uh, my three chins. Like I know that on TV, your face looks fatter. And I know I have the angles where I like right now I look good. If I do this, I have right, right, chins. right. Those are the pictures I post. And my friends on purpose in our group chat would take the worst pictures of me and post it in our group chat. And I just started taking those and posted on my Instagram. And now it's become a thing where um, people will take pictures of me looking terrible. And it's the Bethel face. And it's like, and it's funny because if you follow my Instagram, Bethel Vision, I'll start off on Sunday. It's the same thing. Walking into a studio, getting makeup. Like, first of all, if you're a guy willing to post you getting makeup, it, it's what you do. You're halfway there. Then I, post, I post my outfit. You look, I look fresh. And then the next thing you see are pictures of me looking terrible from the wrong, <laughs> wrong angles. and Snapchat like, filters. Oh, all that stuff. And, and, and it's become a thing with my friends where they just want to catch me at the worst because you know, when you screen grab something, you screen grab it, it's a terrible look. And it's become other people doing it too. And like, at first it started, people thought they were going to like hurt my feelings. I'm like, you ain't hurting my feelings. Well, I ain't got no feelings. So you ain't going to hurt me. <laughs> so I was like, cool, this is funny. I'm going to tag you. And they're like, no, no, no. And I'm like, no, it's cool. Don't worry about it. So it's, it's the connection people have with you. Like, you know, some people are like, oh, I got to make sure I have the right angle. Like, like, I'm a 42 year old dad. I know what I am. I got some grades. I got, I got a double chin. We're all right. You brought but up, know who you are. Be comfortable in your own skin. You brought up you. Uh, you took up golfing, or at least golfed more. Nothing else to do. <laughs> what kind of went into that? Because you're not alone. You usually have like three or four guys with you, or whatever, like that. Latinos on the golf course. I mean, when everybody zigs, you got to zag. And um, you know, because I'm at home trying to figure out what I'm doing with my career, you're looking around. You're like, okay, I'm not the young hotshot anymore. Um, I'm not going to be the one that they're like, Oh, let's go cover the X games. I did. I'm not doing it anymore. What happens as you get older, you start golfing. Um, so 
I always played like charity events two, three times a year, go get loaded and hang out. And then uh, a couple of my friends were like, hey, we want to start playing. I'm like, all right. So I started playing again. And I always tell myself, I don't want to play golf because I'm competitive and I'm going to want to take it serious. So I purposely mess around and don't keep score. Don't do any of that. Yeah. And then I started getting good. I was like, damn it. All right, here we go. And could you I feel realized, yourself? Could you kind of feel yourself getting that competitive edge? And it maybe didn't start yeah, to be as fun, especially when there's, you start gambling and you start making money. And you're like, I could have made that shot. That twenty bucks would be better with me. You know, you just like those little kind of things. Yeah. Um, I still don't take it serious. Uh, but what I started noticing is that where can I go next where I don't exist? I I do great in the boxing world. Um. Here, as far as a Latino sports reporter, there aren't many of us. And a mentor of mine told me, go where you don't exist. And I don't, we don't exist in the, in the golf world. Then I started doing some research that the, what's that term that you learn in business class? Disposable income? Yeah. Well, Latinos with disposable income, over 17% of them are golfing. But there's no content being created for them. There's nobody angling at him. Uh, so if you go look anything on YouTube with golfers, it's the barstool kind of guys or the hot girls are golfing. And as I like to say, the fancy Mexicans, there's nobody coming after them. Um, and it, so I talked to a mentor, like trying to have a game plan of me creating some golf content, which is exactly what I've been doing. He said, well, you, I'm not going to believe you doing anything golfing because you don't have any golf content on your social media. So that's why I started posting golfing. And I go to the, the munis, the pitch and putts, the nine holes. I'm in Pico Rivera. I'm in Monterey Park. I'm there by the house and people are like, dude, you're golfing. I'm like, yeah. And I go there and I hang out and you see all these Latinos there with the expensive ass clubs, with the expensive gear. I'm like, there's nothing here. So I'm trying to create some golf content shows. I won't give it away yet, but it's, you can't go and just show up and do it when you're not part of the community. So I'm doing that and playing a, you know, I play some nice courses too. You know, I got some country clubs under my belt, but I don't post when I go to the country clubs. I'm yeah. posting when I'm at the local munis. When we, when we were growing up, we had Chichi Rodriguez, we had Lee Trevino, and yeah, and they and, th yeah, and and that's it. And then maybe Sergio Garcia, um, Spaniard, it, exactly. Yeah, it, it that's the thing. It's like there was really no Latino from America who could fly that flag. No, and it's not even the pros. I'm looking at more of the my fancy friends who are downtown LA lawyers, real estate guys who are members at country clubs. Yeah. And it's like, damn, there's nobody. I'm not going to do it in Spanish. I already, you know, my rules on that. Don't do anything in Spanish, but it's more of create content for them because now I didn't know this world existed. I'm like, there's like these Chicano golf leagues guys are out there doing it. And they're inviting me. Wow. Like, come play. I'm like, no, you guys are good. Like, <laughs> like, they're, play, they're members that, you know, in uh, Industry Hills, in uh, Friendly Hills, your area is up to 60, you know. That, yeah. I'm like, damn, you guys are fancy dudes. But so I want to create some content that way. And, you know, you can golf the rest of your life. There's nobody out there in that world doing media broadcasting that's Mexican. Zagri Zag. I could not sell cars. I could not sell life insurance. I could not, I could not sell anything. I could sell myself. Because you don't believe it, in it, those other things. You believe in yourself. There it is. And it's also, what do I want to do? Like, I had a chance to do some video game play-by-play -play where they paid a lot of money. I don't know a damn thing about play by, uh, video games. I didn't want to learn the video games. Like, I've had a chance to be a weather reporter, make a lot of money. I don't care about the weather. Like, I don't. Like, chance to be real news anchor. Like, I don't want to read about somebody getting killed or immigration at, at the border. I don't want to hear about politics. I don't pay attention. I, I like sports. Like, is it profitable? Nope. But am I happy doing it? For the most part. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, I have my hair. I'm not stressed. I have no ulcer. Like, you know, I'm good. It's, I mean, I could be doing other things. And like a lot of my friends, rich and a son of a bitch, but I, like the reason I'm getting into golf is because let me create content for it because I believe in it. So you brought up, there's, there's not anybody who looks like you doing golf content, golf media, but a couple of weeks ago, you broke a barrier being the first 
Latino play-by-play guy doing stuff for Pac-12 on Fox Sports 1. Yeah, and it's, I guess the getting older part is where you start speaking out more and um, you realize you have a responsibility. I, if you would have said this right here about being the Latino on Fox Sports 1 10 years ago, I said, don't even bring that up. Um, You want to be known for your work. Like at the end of the day, you want to be known for, I don't want to be known as the Mexican with Jim Hill. I want to be known as the guy on CBS too. You want to be known for your, your job and your talent and what you're doing. That being said, you also got to realize when you have a platform and you can open up some eyes. So a couple of weeks ago, I got a call to do uh, Pac-12 basketball, Arizona against Washington state, two teams going nowhere. I didn't care. It was on Fox sports one empty arena. I've been wanting to try to get into the college basketball world on Fox for years. Hasn't happened. I've done like Pepperdine, LMU, the WCC games, done that, no problem. And it's cool. I understand. I was like, I wasn't ready for it. No problem. But end of the season, somebody couldn't make it, whatever, whatever it was, I don't know the opportunity, but uh, I got it. And I'm sitting there and realizing I'm like, damn, I'm pretty sure I'm the first ever Mexican to call Pac-12 basketball. Then I realized that it's not that big of a accomplishment because I'm the only one that's out there. As far as like Mexican play-by-play guys in the country in English, and I hate sounding like I'm bragging or anything like that. It's myself. There's a kid named Alex Dobario who does stuff for CBS Sports Network out of Texas. Um, I'm, I'm talking about big level, and I can't think of any other people. I can't think of other. There's Ray Flores who does some boxing, does stuff for Big 12 Network, Big 10 Network out of Chicago. But can't tell you um and i really like doing the play-by-play and the reason that th- we don't exist is because there's no pipeline of kids coming up to do it there's not many who are like willing to take no for years so i take that as a big uh, responsibility that i was there doing it i gave myself like a seven i was solid i wasn't great um it's my first time doing basketball in like two years because i also do the g league for the south bay lakers and but knowing that there might have been one kid saying wow Whoa, that kid, that, that guy has a, an accident over the age, just like me. Wow, his name is Beto. Like, okay, I've never seen one of those on Fox Sports. Um, and the thing is, six years ago, I was doing boxing on Fox Sports One, and that started that. It's actually coming up on the anniversary, uh, no, actually, seven years ago uh, on St. Patrick's Day. And but I don't get caught up in that, but I know that I have to say it to, because there might be a 16 year old who's like, damn, I want to do that. I can do that. And that's where I look at is more of like, like the real trailblazers were like Bernardo Osuna and guys uh, like, you know, Pedro Gomez, rest in peace. Like those are the guys that broke down barriers. And I'm just trying to get my way in there. If I can kick the door open a little bit more and do that. Like you've heard me talk to your students and I tell them, you guys have no shot. Yeah. Like yeah. you really don't. And I don't have a shot. It's taken me how many years to even get there. I'm 42. Uh, Noah Eagle, the Clipper announcer is 23. Like, and he's freaking awesome. And at 23, I was still trying to figure out which college I'm transferring to. So everybody has a different path. Try to just follow your own. And uh, if you really do believe in yourself, it it probably won't happen. But I might never get another Pac-12 game ever again. But at least I said I did it. Let's circle back to the Jim Hill desk in Sports Central on CBS2. And you talk about just now, you've got a platform and using it a couple of weekends ago. You, yeah, yeah, you you use that platform, man. So it was interesting because it wasn't supposed to happen. So they did a story on a Latino soccer player uh, from downtown LA uh, who wants to play in college, wants to play for Team USA. And she was very blunt saying how women's soccer in USA on the national team, it's all white girls. It's like, you know, you don't see any minority girls. Maybe I could be one of them to be there and help other girls and all this other stuff. So it was pretty cool what she said. Her parents were from El Salvador. And it's a program in, a, in downtown Los Angeles for girls in that area that can play club soccer. Because normally club soccer is in the suburbs. And it's very pricey. And this is different. Great idea. And we're supposed to go to commercial. And Jim turns to me as the producer is saying, go to commercial. And Jim Turney said, absolutely incredible. And Beto, is it amazing how sometimes our young people can see things clearer and more clear into the future than maybe we can? And you got to have those dreams. You got to have those hopes. And when your parents are immigrants like mine are, like hers are, 
there is no safety net. You have no ability to make mistakes and you have to do it the right way. There's no chance for you to say, oh, I'm going to make an excuse about this. No, it's con ganas. you got to have the desire. you got to get after it. And that's what she's doing. She's a perfect example of dreams indeed do come true. That is for sure. And it wasn't scripted for me. I was, it was completely off the cuff. And I give a lot of credit to Armin Kulian, our executive producer, who's told me, just be yourself on this show. He's like, you have X's and O's, whatever. Whatever you want to say, just be yourself. And like I said, it wasn't scripted. I didn't, he said it to me. And I said, well, when you're, parents or immigrants like mine are, like hers are, you can't afford to make mistakes. You don't have a safety net. And I say, you just need ganas, right? And I said the word Spanish. Like, I wasn't trying to be Jaime Escalante and stand deliver uh, the, <laughs> the exit movie from 1984. It just naturally came out and it organically happened. And I said it and Jim looked at me as we went to commercial. I'm like, all right. And I'm like, ooh, I just went there, which you're not supposed to do on sports. It's like the local show. You just want to get the recap. I'm not there for that to give political commentary. Uh, and but like I, you said, it's it's Jim's show. You're just supposed yeah. to, you know, yeah. fill and, when he asks you to fill. Yeah. And I just said it. And I'm like, and I got a bunch of text messages from friends like, damn, that was really good. I'm like, wow. I got, and it was people tweeting me that I don't know. Like, hey, that was really cool you say that. And once again, in Los Angeles, the people doing sports in English are myself and Mario Solis at Channel 4, who's the full-time guy. Mario does a great job in the market since he went to USC. Just me and him. Uh, Kurt Sandoval from, uh, from Denver has some Latino roots. But as far as like the Mexican-Americans, me and Mario. And once again, never thought about that until recently. And I saw the comments I got and said, you know, I'm going to clip this and I'm going to put it on my Instagram. And a lot of people are saying, Thanks for speaking up for saying stuff. And it was a or you know, we a lot of pride in you. And that's not what I want to be known for. It's not what I want to do. But if you if I don't say it, who else who else is? Yeah. Nobody. Yeah. Like nobody, like my mom and dad don't speak English. You know, I grew up a family of seven, like not supposed to be doing this amazing job. And if I have a chance to say it, got to. And Will I get in trouble? No. If you're being honest, you're not going to get in trouble. Um, but at the same time, it's you can't forget where you come from. Like you, this is LA. Uh, I know your podcast is worldwide, but in LA, it's a melting pot. And you know, our industry doesn't reflect what the demographics are. And whether it's Hollywood, whether it's sports or news, whatever, uh, whether it's a radio station you work at, and is it for lack of trying? I wouldn't say it's for lack of trying. I think it's just there's lack, the lack of talent to work in LA. You better be freaking good. Yeah. Like there's a reason it's taking me this long to get on TV. Cause 10 years ago, I wasn't that good. I didn't belong on there. Now I belong on Sundays. Being a dad trying to teach kids English sucks. Being a parent trying to teach kids math right now sucks. Uh, luckily I'm not teaching. Yeah. <laughs> But I'm always a grammar police. And the other day I said to my daughter or something, she's like, oh, further. I was like, no, it's farther. Distance is far. Further is making a point. Fifth grade. Like, she's not going to remember that. Sure enough, I caught her and she's like, it's farther, right? I'm like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> nice, nice. And that's just the journalism we've been taught, right? Where we yep. have to take those in, in J1 where you're like, it's farther, not further. What are the other ones? Fewer, less, you know, uh, those kind of things. How are the kids doing with online school? I give a lot of credit to their mom. She's doing it. Um, and it's, uh, my daughter's in fifth grade. So it's different because she's advanced enough to where she goes in her Zooms and gets in, get out. They do all the work together. So it's it's hard. I know it's hard. The social adjustment for a fifth grader, especially a girl who's turning 11. Um, my son is different. He's in private school and their teachers are actually teaching. So I'm paying for his education. So they're, 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 the teachers have been teaching the entire time. Yeah. So it's not like, oh, here's a Zoom and get out of it. No, it's it's basically doing an online college way you would do it. Uh, and he's been going on campus twice a week for the last couple of months. So it's just to get him out of the house. So, I mean, I see it. It's hard for everybody, man. It's stress for the parents. Um, but yeah, it's a lot of credit to all the parents out there. Mateo is uh, quite the basketball player. 
quite the athlete. He's growing into quite the athlete, man. He is. So my son is, uh, he'll be 16. He's my height. Oh, not my height. I'm six one. He's barely six foot as I remind him. Uh, but yeah, he's, <laughs> he's a solid basketball player. He, he, he's decent. He's, um, his school is one of the better ones in Southern California, St. John Bosco. So it's uh, it's a grind for him to be playing. He's playing against guys that are 6'8", 6'10", going to college and getting his butt kicked. And I'm like, good. You want to be the best? There you go. I'm not going to – like he chose to go to that school academically and the fact he's playing basketball. So he's good. Work him out. We uh, It's different. You'll, you'll see this when your kids – when they get older and if you teach them how to work out, how to do stuff, and then eventually one day it just clicks where – all you're doing is just driving them and yeah, that's it. Yep. And it's like we ran this past weekend in Palos Verdes at uh, Trump golf course. You park there that you go in the trails and it's a workout we've done for a couple of years where you go up the hill and I was always like, okay, you got to do this. You got to do this. And this time we took some of his friends and he's the one leading the workout. I'm like, Oh, okay, cool. It's like, so cool to watch the students become teachers. I ask uh, my eight year old to help my six year old, with computer stuff that I know I can help with, but it helps them both to learn together, to learn from each other and to teach each other. Bender, they got computers. I know, man. <laughs> we went to college. There was no internet. I know. I, I, I remember uh, I was at Mount Sac in like 1996 or seven, trying to figure out the IRC in the library. There was only like five internet relay chat computers. It was a uh, freshman year at El Camino the fall of 96 in a math class. And uh, the, the professor said, there's this thing called email. You guys are all gonna have it one day. Uh, the school is not equipped for it here. The computer lab here is doesn't have internet yet, but you'll all see this someday. Wow. Like, what is this guy talking about? <laughs> email, internet. <laughs> yeah. He kept saying um, domains and, he was a, he was a, it sounds, a like he, it sounds like he knew a lot more than most. He was an engineer. Okay. He was a software engineer at Hughes and Torrance and he would, uh, or at El Segundo. And he was teaching a basic math class at El Camino at night. So that was it. Crazy now how we're just doing worldwide podcasts on a computer. Oh, I know. I know. I remember a couple of oh, years we're ago. Old people talk right now. <laughs> I remember a couple of years ago when I was doing my old podcast and one of my guests wanted to do, do the podcast over Zoom. And it probably took me an hour to figure that shit out. I used to not do my podcast via a uh, computer because I wanted to do it live. Yeah, it was all in person. Now, we were supposed to meet at Dodger Stadium that one yeah, time. And, and people are like, oh, can you, I'm like, There's, the technology's not set up. Now everybody knows how to talk to their computer. Yep. Before it would be, no way, no way. I don't know how to log on. I don't know how to do this. Now it's just crazy. I, I don't think I'll go back to do an in-person uh, podcast. It, it sucks. As crazy as the world has been in the last year, at least the world kept turning. If this pandemic hit five or 10 years ago, it would have just come to a screeching halt because there, there wasn't the infrastructure set up to do all the things that we're doing virtually. I mean, look how we are when our, our Wi-Fi doesn't work on our phone. I'm so frustrated. <laughs> like, I, I, I mean, it'd be interesting, like your audience of like the age group where you're at, but like how many of them remember dial up and the AOL discs that used to be sent to you. And uh, if somebody had to use the phone, you had to hang up the computer. God, we're sounding so older now. Going through some of my wife's old files and, and paperwork and things like that, on those rare afternoons when I feel like I have the emotional capacity to go through her stuff, there was a file from, I don't know, maybe 15 years ago or whatever it was. And on the outside of that file was two floppy disks. The, the three and a half, not, not the giant, like five and a half inch floppy disk, but the, the three and a half inch floppy disk. And we're like, oh, we have no way to see what's on those disks. We have that's no why, way. I, that's another reason why I tell kids, don't take journalism classes because the stuff you're going to learn in <laughs> your school, you're not going to use at a studio because the studio is so much more modern yes. than what your school has. Like, it just go get the internship somewhere and use their equipment. No, no, no chance. No, no it's, chance. That's, well, what's up, Bender? 
You're going to make me cry like Nick Valencia or what? <laughs> I've been trying, man. We got away from it a bit. You already told me you have no feelings. <laughs> How am I supposed to make you cry? <laughs> we worked in radio with, we worked in radio so damn long. We get told no all the time. Yeah. For, for example, after that Pac-12 game at Arizona, they call me, hey, are you available this these following dates? I'm like, yes, I am. Never heard of again. <laughs> oh, okay. You're like, thanks. But that's just, but that's the business where it's like, are you available? Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. What was your then, first event back, live event back after the pandemic when things started getting lifted and how was that? Oh, I would imagine it was boxing probably. I mean, that's that's your fight. bread and butter. I can't tell you because we've been doing a, monthly, like a fight in July maybe. Uh, no fans and you get tested. Um, I've taken 42 COVID tests. No. Uh, I do keep track, yeah. Holy shit. Because for CBS, we get tested every week. Um and then every time you go to a fight, you get tested, you quarantine. No, you quarantine, you get tested. And then uh, depends on where you're at. They'll do a mouth swab the day of just to make sure. Uh, but yeah, I've taken 42 overall. And then every time. Yeah, how many of the swabs up to the oh, brain have you gotten? On those. Oh. On those. That... Uh, the mouth swab, I've done three of those. So I don't even count those mouth swabs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you they want to have it's called the the PCR the real one the one that's like ninety nine percent so that's the one that goes in the nose yeah the mouth one they don't the California Commission doesn't take it but on my first event back it's just been fights I I did a fight in Tulsa Oklahoma in the middle of the street where there was nobody there that was in July and it was what do you mean just, middle of the street yeah because the downtown was closed so what they did is they put the ring in the middle of the street in Tulsa, Tulsa Oklahoma in Oklahoma in July. Come on, evening show. Oh, evening, evening okay. Show. All right. Um, yeah, I mean, there's nothing. It's just, it was eerie. Um, but what the, the hard part is, so if you're working a fight on a Friday, you get there two days before. So you get there Wednesday. Wednesday, you quarantine in your room, test, and then go back to your room. So you're essentially staying in your room for 40 hours. So you learn to just, stay occupied and you know you take your snacks as soon as you check into your room you can't leave uh and that's it until you go to the fight and then as soon as the fight's over you're gone so it's it's not as tough as it was before you used to check in for the whole week and for, if you flew you had to quarantine 48 hours i mean it's everybody's got to go through it so it's just crazy let's go back your son he's an athlete what do you tell him as somebody who's covered sports for 20 years what do you tell him about if he wants to get into anything professional or college or whatever, what do you tell him about what that life is like? Um, you also got to know what you got. And I'm not going to say anything I haven't told my son. It's like, dude, you're going to be a six foot two Mexican basketball player. The reality is what, you know, he's a shooter. He's a good guard. He's play. But as I tell him, like, nobody's recruiting you. Like nobody's coming after you. You're recruiting them with your excellent grades. Like, that's all. I could sell you. Like, you're not going to play UCLA, Duke, or North Carolina. If you did, they would know who you are. But can we get you with your academics and your skills to maybe an Ivy League? You know, sure. Um, a, you know, an Occidental, a Chapman, a Whittier, uh, those, you know, liberal art colleges, a Tufts, an Elon, a, you know, th th those kind of schools, uh, you know. Wellesley, you know, yeah, but what is it that you want to do? Like, you got to figure that out. So when I talked to him or his friends, and then he also has friends who are the legit D1 commits who are, have already signed the letter of intent, the guys who get coaches come from all the time. And I don't really talk about where I at, what I do. Some of the kids know where I work because they follow me on Instagram. And I'm not that dad preaching. I always let them know that if you're getting into my car, you're going to hear some kind of talk like after a game and it's usually like, I'm not that dad. That's like hovering over your kid. I'm not the helicopter dad. I'm more of, Hey, my son said, you want to play in college. I tell him like you said, you want to play in college. This is your dream, not mine. So you could dress up at five in the morning or work. You go do that. Like you let me know when you want to go run the Hill, I'll drive you, but I'm not the one that's going to wake you up to do it because nobody was waking me up to tell me, Hey, go do this internship at, midnight to 5 a.m go push buttons at this radio station like you got to figure out what it is your dream of what you want to do what i do tell these kids though when um uh, when my son and his friends is just because you're a big hype guy right now cool there's a lot of hype guys around the country 
So what are you going to do the rest of them? And one of the kids that went and ran with us the other day, he's six foot seven, has offers from a bunch of different schools. And he was working and he works out hard. I'm like, these hills are going to kill you. This is where you really find out what you're made of. Pushed it, went after it. And he gets done. He's like, can we do it next week? I'm like, let me know. Um, but I tell the kids that whatever it is you want to do, don't blame anybody else if you don't get it. Like, simple as that. If you don't get into Columbia, well, what, did you apply to Dartmouth? Did you apply to Cornell? Did you apply anywhere else? Like, what are you doing? You're going to be told no over and over and over and over. Somebody's going to say yes if you set yourself up the right way. I, you're going to get told over and over and over for this job. You're not going to. So Yuma, Arizona doesn't hire you. Cool. Bend, Oregon might. You know, you don't get the White House internship. Cool. You know, Gavin Newsom's office might hire you. Like people, I hate sounding like the old guy. People get told no. And right away, it's, oh, they're hating on me. Oh, no, maybe because you suck. Like some of the kids that I help, I'm sounding like the old guy. I, I always end up sounding like the old guy here. I think that's why you like me talking to your class. So, oh, I totally do. Right, I we, love started it. The, 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 we started this uh, running group, right? Nick Valencia, right? The Latino media all-star runners. Yeah. Tongue-in-cheek joke that we're all-stars. It was Nick Valencia, Mireya Viral, who's awesome from uh, CBS uh, Network News. Yep. And uh, Nick and I, we would tag each other on the runs during the summer because I was running, but I wasn't really doing it. It was just a way to keep us motivated. As a joke, I was like, I'm going to start an Instagram. They're like, go for it. I got nothing else to do. They got jobs. I don't. So I started the Instagram. And I've always made a joke. This goes back to the years when I was covering the Lakers with J.A. Adonde and Mark Spears, uh, excellent basketball writers, that we would be in the media room at Staples Center mid-late 2000s, and you're looking around, and we would be like, ooh, where are the black guys at? Right? And you would see some. I was like, you guys think that's bad? Where are the Mexicans at? All right? And they're like, whoa, really? <laughs> so the joke became, because Mark is from Oakland. He grew up with Mexicans. J.A. is from L.A., grew up with Mexicans. I'm like, you guys are more Mexican than anybody else. As a joke, it was, you guys are the Latino media all-stars. That was the joke. So we brought in everybody that was a minority as a Latino media all-star. It, it was just a joke, tongue-in-cheek amongst ourselves. Like, well, Mark Medina, who covers NBA for uh, USA Today, is not a member. Like, we just, even though he's Mexican, we said he's not a member, right? So that was the joke. And I created that hashtag, Latino Media All-Stars, with Ayanga Sea Marquez, Bernardo Osuna. It was just more like, hey, we're brothers, camaraderie. There's not many of us. Here we go in the media. We're cool. And that was it. It became the name of All-Star Runners. Yeah, because I don't know real news people. And Nick was like, you're an all-star. You're an all-star. You know, Nick Valencia gets all fired up. Yeah, I don't know how this guy was in Chapel's tunnel. Chasey's <laughs> the worst people in the world. He's in. Nick has a bad day bag with a riot helmet in there. And he's the happiest guy. Right. So he's like, you're an all-star, man. And OK, great. Whatever, Nick. I'm an all-star. Wow. Whatever. I'm like I'm begging here, Mr. 1099. And you're like at the White House. So that was the deal. We started it as just a runner. And it was just, a, we started tagging other people and we just kept going with it. And it was a way you realize that members of the media, a lot of us run to get away from stress of the office yeah. or the studio, even if it's like three miles. And we found this little running community. And I've always said that the Latino media community is the biggest crab in a bucket attitude where there are a bunch of haters and they're going to take each other down. I'm more of like, if you're doing something, I'm going to pump you up. So that's, what I kind of did it, it was like, hey, you ran a mile in 12 minutes. You're an all-star. That's awesome. It was a way to keep doing it because everybody else, what do they do? They brag. I ran it in seven. Great. Like how many of us run a marathon and said, <laughs> what was your time? Who cares? I fucking ran a marathon, bro. Like, right, right. what did you do? So that attitude. And so it just became a group. We have it. And every morning I, I run the account. I'll post, you know, people when they run and keep tagging it and just go and show up, help each other out. And it's like, you're held accountable because if you see people who do the same job as you making time, then you will too, because we don't work nine to five. Nobody understands how hard it is to be us in the media because why are you home at one o'clock on a Wednesday? I work four to a minute. Why? Why are you doing this? Why are you doing? Nobody understands what it's like to be in the media unless you're in the media. It's as Nick said, the, the, the civilians, I started realizing that some of these young kids were following the account in cities like 
Boise, Bend, Oregon, whatever they were all over the country. And Nick, myself, and me, I've reached out to some of these young folks and like, hey, you need some mentoring, not mentoring, but like, hey, keep doing what you're doing. If the DMs are open for everybody and it goes vice versa. So these kids should be like reaching out to us. And it, they've been a good group. And there's some of the other kids who were like, you kind of tell them some stuff in general. And kids have reached out to me, say, hey, can you give me advice on this? And I'm like, I'll be right back. Are you open to 100% bluntness? Don't say yes, because I will be. And I know I've rubbed a couple kids the wrong way. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't care because if I don't tell them, they're in for a rude awakening. Uh, it's not member of those kids, it's just kids in general. You know, um, I think there's a kid that you knew that it was one of your students who's no longer in the business. He was one that I told, and he's doing good for himself. But like we sugarcoat things too much. Back, I think long way of going back to my son, where it's dude, it's not easy. You're gonna fail. It's nobody else's fault. Nobody hates you. You have everything handed to you. If you don't use the resources around you, it's a you problem. Like every now and then it's okay to look in the mirror and be like, yeah, I'm the fucking problem. Like I'm the one that should be doing this stuff. Like not anybody else. Perfect example. Damn, I'm rambling today. I'm good. I don't even know how long, how much you're going to edit out of this, but I'm rambling. Not much. For example, (laughs) um, a friend reached out to me and said, hey, can you mentor my son? I said, sure, no problem. Here's my number. He's a uh, college senior, I think. The fact that I don't even know should tell you that he didn't reach out. Right. Anyways, right. Uh, a month later, the mom like, hey, you haven't talked to him. I said, hey, what are you talking about? Well, my son, you never called him. I'm like, no, your son never called me. He goes, well, why didn't you call him? Does he have my number? She said, yes, he's waiting for your call. I was like, great. He has my number. <laughs> I don't get it. I'm like, I know you don't get it. If your son really wants to be in this business, why is he not reaching out to me? Knowing that you and I grew up together. Like, he has my number. Did not reach out. Because I just don't get where you're coming from. Like, I explained to her, in this business, you got to be overly aggressive and get after it. He goes to a Cal State. He has no shot. He's got no opportunity coming to him. He's at one of the small Cal states where there is no major market and he has done zero internships. Oh, no. Yeah. Bender, guess what he wants to do? What does he want to do? Play by play. No, 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 no. No. No chance. No chance. Has zero game tape. No. I'm just, I'm... Exactly. And I said, she goes, well, he's been doing this, been doing this. I'm like, you're telling me he's doing this. He hasn't. She's like, well, you're being really rude about this. I'm like, wait till this business is going to tell you how rude you are. <laughs> at least, said, at least you're engaging in the conversation necessary. Yeah, well, I mean, this business, is I grew up with her. Uh, yes. But the business is not going to have any conversation because they're not even going to call no, him back. She goes, well, his school hasn't done much for him. I'm like, no, how much has he done for the school? So Okay, but Cal State Bakersfield, they have a good program. That's where he's at. He's at Cal State Bakersfield. Yeah. Like, it's not too far from LA to come do an internship somewhere. No, it's it's not too far. Anyways. And, 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 and there's there's plenty of there's plenty of TV in Bakersfield. There's plenty of radio. But the Bakersfield up to well, Fresno. My point is that he hasn't re- he didn't reach out, didn't do that. You've got to be overly aggressive to get after it. And that was my point of like you've been holding his hand too long. When's he going to take accountability for what he's doing or not doing? And that's what this whole business is. It's, yeah. You're asking me, why am I zigging or zagging or doing this and that? Because if I don't, I'm going to fail. I'm not going to eat. Like you have to do that. So when I go and speak to some of these kids, for example, the other day, a kid I follow on Instagram, I reached out to him. I said, Hey, why are you wearing a sweater on air? He said, I feel comfortable with that. I'm like, cool. Be known for your work, not your uh, outfit. I just don't get it. I'm like, cool. I don't even know this kid. I just put that. Like, you should not be wearing a sweater. It, I mean, it's a nice, you know, Banana Republic, J. Crew, whatever, on air as an anchor. No, yeah, no, no, no. You, you, you go to Goodwill. You, you grab whatever you can find off the rack, a blazer or whatever. It's ten bucks. 
No, no, no. The, but the kid was doing it to be fashionable. No. Exactly. But you also never know who's watching. You never know who's watching. I don't know this kid. I don't even follow him on Instagram. I'm just like, hey, who are you? Like, I wish somebody would like. Yeah. And anyways. Yeah. Yeah, I sound like an old man on a soapbox right now. Well, this is what, and for those of you wondering, this is exactly how I sound like at Bender's <laughs> class. It is. It's him. true. It's true. And um, you know what, Bender? Still, none of your students ever reach out to me. I know. I, it, I, and I tell them, and you, you've been there when I tell them, I said, if, if you don't reach out to Beto, and I tell that about any guest speaker, they're not going to come back. They're not going to keep visiting my classes and dropping this knowledge if you don't reach out yeah it's um i hate sound like i'm I don't know, doing it that oh you got to kiss my ring or this is it's not that it's just how bad do you want it whether you want to be a doctor lawyer you know judge politician whatever go after it. i another example you never know whose network they know so a friend of mine is very 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 connected in the political world as far as like uh the latino what are those people called oh the, the lobbyists give you a lot of money lobbyists yeah 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 he's one of the most prominent latino lobbyists in sacramento um kid i knew was like hey i want to get into politics this this is that i put him i was like here call this guy boom 15 minutes later i call my guy like yo this guy's gonna call you no problem i was like i vouch for him he's legit he's good Sure enough, my the kid I was mentoring called them. Bam! I didn't hear uh, I didn't hear from this kid again for another six months. And I reached out I was like, "Yo, whatever happened?" He's like, "Oh, I moved to Sacramento. I'm working in his office." I'm like, "Like, oh, okay." <laughs> like, I didn't have great. time to call you back because I'm I'm busy working. But that's the thing. It's yeah. you got you have to go after it. Um, that's the end of the day. It's uh, everybody I've ever had on the Living the Dream podcast has always followed their path and gone after it on their own without anything being handed to them. Yeah. A lot of people are going to have, you know, the privilege doors open for them, but those people are going to have it no matter what. I'm talking about everybody else. As a white guy growing up in this industry. Yeah. I'm sure there've been a lot of doors open for me because I'm white. Yeah, you, Bender, you don't count, bro. No, but you put in the work. No, that, no, 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 that's no, no, just no, it, no, though. no, no. You put in the work. Don't you, know, you went to Fresno. Mount Sac, Cal State Northridge, Fresno. You've worked in all the small, terrible markets with the terrible hours. There was no privilege there. You got the job because you were good and you were willing to go work for $8 an hour. Yeah. Fresno was about 21000 a year. Okay. Yeah. So, Fresno, Bender, you're from West Covina, bro. Like, <laughs> Covina, man. Charter Oak, man. Okay. You're That's in Charter Oak, Charter. But, like, you're, you were willing. The privilege would have been like, I'm not going to Fresno, which a lot of kids do. That spring break of my last semester at Cal State Northridge, I set it up so that, I don't know, maybe about a month beforehand, two or three weeks beforehand. And again, we go back to what we talked about earlier. There was no internet really to speak of. And so, and, and any internet there was, these radio stations and stuff, and they didn't have internet pages. They didn't have web pages. So I just grabbed the thick book of all radio and TV stations in the nation, went to California, called every station in California, said, I'm going to be in your neighborhood on April 3rd. Can I stop by, grab a cup of coffee? We can talk about any kind of opportunities you might have. Of the, let's say, 50 stations I called up and down the state, three called back, Fresno, Chico, and Santa Rosa. When, when I was done with the three-hour back porch at the station conversation in Fresno, as the news director smoked about a pack of cigarettes during that time, he said, okay, I know you've got two more to go. You've got Chico and Santa Rosa tomorrow. Come back here after, and I'll offer you a job. And so I went to Chico the next day. I went to Santa Rosa the next day. Neither of those had opportunities available at the time, but they were willing to talk with me. So, of course, I'm going to talk with them. KPay and KSRO were those two stations. After Santa Rosa, I went over to a payphone called Don Schrack, my news director, my future news director. And I said, hey, Don, um, I'm coming back to Fresno. Is that job offer still open? He's like, yeah, let's do it. I think it was like at 12 or 1, I'm in Santa Rosa. And I'm like, I could be there this afternoon. He's like, dude, don't kill yourself. Try to get here. <laughs> just just find a place to stay tonight or whatever. And uh, 
and and I'll see you tomorrow morning. Because he that's saw how that the happened. hustle. He saw the drive, and that's what it is. And like, like when I say I'll give my number to anybody, I do. And the reason I give it out is if you're willing to do the hustle, willing to have the drive, I will go above and beyond to recommend you anywhere I can. I have friends all over the country. We've been in this over 20 years, so you get to meet people yeah. with them. And you, I will recommend you, if, if you are down and you're ready to go, I will help you out as much as I can. There's a kid at USC I've been mentoring who I met. He's in Shelly Smith's class. He's doing the play-by-play for them. He's actually from uh, San Jose. He's doing play-by-play for the student radio station. Before every game that he does, sends me a link. Hey, here you go. I don't always listen, but I'll, if I'm in the car and I'll tune in for three minutes. Yeah. And, but it doesn't matter. It's not, hey, what did you think? It's here's the link. Here's the link. Here's the link. Eventually, I'm going to listen to something. And that's what you have to do. And this kid right now, I recommended him for something. And like, not that I, once again, not that I need people to tell me, oh, you're the greater, this is that. I don't want to be the only Latino doing stuff. I want more. And the only way that happens is if you help out the next generation. Tell me about Mike Drop, the beer you helped develop. <laughs> yeah, where's my beer? I figure you got one or two over there just well, in, in arm's reach. I haven't reach. picked any up, bro. Um, is it Arrow Lodge so, Brewing, right? Arrow Lodge Brewing in Covina. You can order it from uh, Craft Beer Kings, my boy uh, Mo Salam and his brother Mike. They run it. And so you go on the app and order it. It's actually running out. It's um, Orchata IPA 8%. I know it sounds weird. I was, I, we did this two years ago. This was the re-release. It doesn't have that much horchata in it. doesn't have much, much cinnamon. It's a real nice light beer. Um, and uh, it's theirs. And all they did was say, can we put your name on it? So it's really theirs. But they, um, where's it at? They, uh, they do it. All they do is just slap my name on it. And it becomes my beer, right? So here's what it looks like. I'm not a hoppy guy. I'm not an IPA guy. Is it is, is it real hoppy? Not too much because I'm same like you. Like people are like, uh, so Craft Beer King sponsors my podcast. So if anytime who's a, a guest, I always give them beer. And I, oh, I used to give them beer. We would drink it together. Uh, and I was trying to find a, a IPA or a craft beer that, you know, has something to do with that person. Um, so you know, if you were to come on Bender, I would try to find something from the Fresno area. Hey, now. Because you, your first job was in Fresno, you know, stuff like that. Or I would get something from a, a brewery in the Valley because you're Professor yeah. C says. I would try to coordinate like that. But no, the beer's cool. And we did a release two years ago. And it was more of just pretty cool to see my logo on a freaking beer. And we did the taste testing. They're like, do you like this? I was like, eh, like that? Yeah. Can we do more of this? So the sampling and all that other stuff. So it's just cool. So yeah, Craft Beer Kings, you can order from them. That is cool. Thank you, man. I'll put that in the show notes. Beto, you're the best. Ben, are we done? I know. I tried to make you cry, but you just, I no, can't so, crack so you, man. You, here, okay. Can, can, I, can I give a PSA <laughs> or like disclaimer? It's a disclaimer. Yes, yes. All right. So if you've ever heard me on any Bender podcast, whether it, uh, whatever incarnation we're in right now, I know I come off really aggressive. I know I come off very blunt. And I know I come off like a know-it-all. And I know I come off as a guy who it seems a little bitter about things. I'm not. I'm super happy. I'm, I'm just very passionate. And I hate seeing talent wasted because this is the soapbox part. When you're a minority in this business, which is terrible, but the jobs are amazing, you get looked at a certain way. You get judged faster. You get looked like there is no real room for error. So why give anybody a reason to say anything about you? So I get not, up, not, not hurt. I get upset when I see that there's resources available to them and they don't use it. I wish I had a Bethel Durant in my life. Somebody I could relate to, to tell me how bad it was going to be. Because if I wouldn't know how bad this is, this journey, I for sure would have just been a teacher and coach baseball and been happy because I'd have a pension. I'd have insurance. I can clean my teeth. I would have <laughs> all that stuff. I'd have summers off. I'd be so happy doing that way. But the, like I said, the jobs are great. So it's more about, I know I come in and I, I'm very, Whew, like a, a Tasmanian devil, but it's because I'm passionate about what I do. And if whatever it is you do in your life, have passion. People ask me to be on their podcast all the time. I say, no, Bender calls me. I always say yes. Uh, people ask me to talk to their college students. I always say no. Bender calls or, uh, or Gary down at uh, Long Beach state. I always go talk to them. Uh, if I, if other schools will call me at college. I'm like, I don't want to talk to the college kids because you guys are know it all anyway. So you're not going to do it. And when I say you're not going to do it, it's not me being a jerk. It's because you're not going to. 
because there's are there are less jobs. When I walk into a TV station now, they don't have cameramen. It's all run by a, com a computer now. It's crazy. The day days of being a sports anchor are gone. And I'm talking about in cities like Chicago, you know, big cities where they're blowing people out. So why would you make it more difficult for yourself when you have resources like myself and Bender and everybody else who are willing to help you out and you're being that smart ass kid like, I know what I'm doing. I'm cool. Don't be that cool. It's okay to ask for help. All right, I'm done. <laughs> when are we going to live the dream, man? When, uh, when once you, you get your it? stuff together, man, because you're not living the dream right now, Bender. You're you're in your phase right now, Bender. I want you on my Living the Dream podcast when you can tell me, hey, man, that dark place I went through, yeah. that turmoil, that thunderstorm, that hailstorm, every storm. Right now, it's all clouds and rainbows because I want to see a happy Bender. And you are. And I'm happy for you that you're getting better. And I know it's a long road for you. And you think about you a lot, man, and missed you. And But I'm glad you're back. But you're living the dream, man. You're going to come on, and I'm going to have you crying like no other. <laughs> it's payback. It's payback for all the times I made Nick yeah, Valencia and others payback. cry. I got you. No, nah, we'll be all right. I've put Beto's social media in the show notes. He's at BetoVision on Instagram, Duran Sports on Twitter. You can find me at AaronBender.com. Please subscribe to the podcast, rate, review, share. We're five out of five on Apple Podcasts. Love it. Thank you. If you have guest ideas or comments, email me, AaronBenderMedia at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. Be well.